Today we're going to talk about great teamwork. I don't know how you feel about teams. Some of us are lone rangers. And we have a hard time working as a team. But there's power in teamwork. I've been in the ministry now for 28 and a half years. And it would not be the same ministry experience without the team that I have. I have my wife. She is my faithful teammate. And we have had so many journeys together in the ministry. And we help each other. We're stronger in different ways. And so we support and we help uh, to make a better uh, ministry experience united. And uh, we love it. Uh, But that's not the only team that we're a part of. We have a great staff here in Santa Clarita. A great ministry team who work hard and sacrifice, leading the various ministries. And we're excited to see what God is doing uh, here in Santa Clarita and in the future and the impact that he's having. We have a North Region ministry team. And we love the North Region and the L.A. Church. We have our churches worldwide. And if you ever get the chance to travel to one of our ministries in another country, it's a pretty amazing experience because I promise you, you're going to walk in there and you may not speak the language at all, but you're going to go, wow, it feels like home. And there's just something about it. And, uh, you know, that's all part of the team that we have. Uh, we have a really unique team of Bible talk leaders in assistance in Santa Clarita. You know what? If you're a Bible talk leader, an assistant in that leadership group, stand on up. Stand on up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This group of men and women, they, they lead our small groups. In many ways, they affect your daily Christian life in a profound way. Because they're with you, they're connected with you every day of the week. And, you know, they're, they're heroes in the faith. You know, I could do a whole sermon about the unlikely heroes of our family group leaders and assistants and the work that they do. And this morning we're going to look at Priscilla and Aquila. And I think you're, you're going to enjoy them because there's different people in the Bible that you read about them and you get inspired. But sometimes it's just so easy to go... No way can I relate to these people because they did this. You know, you read about miracles that occurred and you're like, well, that's not me. I mean, you know, I'm not into them, you know, being able to accomplish the miraculous. I mean, that'd be really cool, but I'm not those people. And so we can kind of discount the inspiration that they are. Priscilla and Aquila are a couple that all of us will be able to. To relate to. And they truly are an amazing team. But, you know, there's nothing like famous dynamic duos. And one of the original ones, you know, is Batman and Robin. And this is the real, this is the real true Batman and Robin. There's a lot of wannabes after that. But, I mean, Adam West, he defined Batman. You know, in the pretty cool high-tech graphics of Biff Powell when he would punch people. They had great outfits. I mean, 
this is the great dynamic duo. You know, just that's for the younger generation. You may not know this Batman and Robin, but they're the real ones. But you know what? We have there's there's a lot of great dynamic duos out there. If I if I was to say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson, right? Or Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. How about Abbott and Costello? Beavis and... That's right. Had to, had to pull in the younger generation right there, you know. Some of the younger people are like, who's Joe Montana? Who's Abbott? Okay, so I had to pull in the young people right there. You know, a couple that, that a dynamic duo maybe that you haven't heard of is two twin brothers from Oxnard, California. And they're in the tennis world known as the Bryan brothers, Bob and Mike Bryan. They have 110 championships to their name. In fact, they were the number one doubles team in the world for 438 straight weeks. That's like eight and a half years. They were number one. Now, if you're into tennis, you know who the Bryan brothers are. If not, you just go, wow, that's really cool looking twins and it's awesome to be twins. Uh, you know, Mike and I actually played in a tennis tournament and we won the Ottumwa City Championship. We did. We did. And uh, I'll tell you a brief story. I didn't actually have any pictures. You would have got a kick out of the picture if I did. But Mike was an okay tennis player. He was a really excellent golfer. And I was a much better tennis player, but I, ne- I needed a partner because my regular doubles partner was going to be out of town. So I recruited Mike to be my doubles partner. Well, the people we played were good, and they were good enough to know, well, we're going to hit it to Mike because he's not that good. So what we did is we dressed up exactly alike. We wore these big checkered shirts. We wore the same socks, you know, and back then they were cool. They were the big long ones that you pull up just under your knee and they had three red thick stripes on them. Oh, yeah. We wore Chuck Taylor high tops and the exact same ones. Um, We wore the same uh, baseball hats and we wore Ray-Ban Wayfarers, you know, the risky business Ray-Bans, if you know that, for the older crew. I had him use one of my tennis rackets, so we had the same sweatbands on. I didn't normally wear this stuff, just so you know, when I played tennis. But we wanted to be as distracting and alike as possible. And so once the ball would get in play, we'd kind of move around so that they couldn't keep track of who was who. Which was really great. Now, Bob and Mike Bryan, both of them were amazing. But I just wanted to throw that story in there. But we did win the championships. We actually had one team accuse us of cheating because they said it was unfair to do what we did. (laughs) Said, too bad for you. Um, But, you know, it's pretty awesome. You have identical twins that were the number one team. And the thing about doubles in tennis is you can't just have one good player. you got to have a great partner. And in life, 
there are so many things that on your own you are going to be stuck. You're going to hit walls because you need a team if you want to overcome. And Priscilla and Aquila are great models of great teamwork. And turn over to Acts chapter 18. We're going to learn about Priscilla and Aquila. And in verse 1 to 3, it says this, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Now, first of all, it's cool that they were tent makers. And here's a picture of like the type of Roman tents that they made in that day. And it's pretty cool. They were prepping for Lake Buena Vista and uh, they had a really cool tent. Maybe one of you is going to tent in a tent like this. Um, But Priscilla and Aquila were Jews that were in the city of Rome. And then Claudius, the emperor, just kicked all the Jews out of town. He said, you guys just have to leave. I don't want you in town anymore. So they ended up in Corinth. And so Paul comes to town and he always started his ministry preaching in the synagogue to the Jews. So his mission was first to the Jews and he converted a lot of Jews and then he would go to the Gentiles. But so he hears about Priscilla and Aquila and the Bible says, hey, they were tent makers just like he was. And so then he ended up staying with them, living with them, and working with them. Which brings me to the first hallmark of Priscilla and Aquila's teamwork, is they were hospitable. Now, you can be a great servant. You can do a lot of things and not be hospitable. Serving is amazing. Hospitality is a relational Hospital. In fact, the word is the same root word. It's you bring people into your life, into your realm, into your world, into your home, and you minister to them. You meet their needs. You are a safe haven. You're a shelter from the outside world. You see, hospitality is different than eating together at a restaurant. Hospitality is where you're in control of the environment and you're bringing people into your realm for renewal, for healing, for refreshment, uh, to encourage, to feed. Like people leave that moment more energized to go back out there and live their life. You know, that's hospitality. Hospitality is something that can occur at every age. You say, well, I don't I don't own a home. I'm in high school. No, you can make your home the place that all the friends want to come and be at. And for the parents, let me just give you a key. Really awesome snacks. And drinks, usually unhealthy. 
are key. You know, I was interested. I wasn't sure if that ice cream cone that Nate was bringing to the door, if he was just eating it or if he was handing it to Samantha. I didn't hear that part of the story, but I thought that's cool. Anyway, so unhealthy snacks is key. You go, well, I have a campus household. You know, I just live with some of the brothers. How can we be hospitable? Listen, you can have a clean, professional, happy home with drinks to serve people that come over, food to feed people that come over. The bathrooms are clean. There's toilet paper. Not napkins. And you can watch sporting events. You can watch movies. But you can provide hospitality. So people come into your realm and they get to experience something different. I think I shared this story with the church, but one of the campus houses I was in, we would use half of our grocery budget for spaghetti sauce for Sunday after church. We had $125 a week for our grocery budget of five college students, and we would use half of it for this massive pot of spaghetti sauce. And it was stewed Italian tomatoes and sausage and mushrooms and onions and hot peppers, and we'd cook it for 24 hours. And we said, any, any campus student can come over if you bring one of your friends. If you don't bring a friend, you cannot come over. And we'd watch the NFL or whatever sporting event and just eat pasta. It was always the same meal, but it was good. But we had a great time. People had fun. You're married. You go, yeah, but our life is so hectic. You know what? Hospitality is not something that just happens. It is something that you plan to happen. You have food anticipating hospitality needs. It's something that you look forward to. It's like you you don't just go, I think I want to be hospitable in the next five minutes. Who's available? No, in some cases, if you're married with kids, sometimes hospitality takes weeks to plan. You ever you ever done that? You sit down with another couple and you're like, we have got to be able to have dinner together. And it, it takes two or three weeks sometimes to find a night that works for everybody. You've got to plan it. But hospitality is so encouraging. You have amazing times together and you just leave feeling built up and energized. Like that was incredible. You know what? Cheryl and I have been blessed to have just shared in so much incredible hospitality throughout our married life. You know, incredible meals and just great experiences. You know, one of my absolute favorite times where we were entertained was at the house of Pete and Joe Mancini, which is Mark Mancini's mom and dad. And I remember we had the opportunity to go out and speak uh, to the church in Champaign, Illinois. And so we purposely flew in a night early so that we could drive down to Springfield, Illinois from Champaign And we could 
see where Mark grew up and have dinner with Pete and Joe. We'd known Pete and Joe for years, but we wanted to be on their turf and their domain. Well, we were flying through a blizzard. We got to Chicago and our puddle jumper flight to Champagne was canceled. So we're like, now what are we going to do? Well, they said, well, we can rebook you, but it'll probably be tomorrow morning. We're like, that's not good enough. And they said, well, we'll provide you a rental car. We said, fine. So we'll take a rental car. We drove from Chicago through a blizzard and Pete and Joe were like, no, that's okay. We're, we're going to get you're going to get there late. It's okay. We're like, absolutely not. We want to see the Mancini house. I want to see the basement that Pete dug out by his own hands. You know, it was like we have a house. It has no basement. We need a basement. So Pete said, I'm going to build a basement. So wheelbarrow by wheelbarrow, Pete dug out his own basement. He laid the foundation. He built the walls. Pete did that. So I said, I want to see that house. I want to see the, the model railroad trains that Mark played with as a kid. I want, I want to see it. And then I remember when it became dinner time. And they made their famous spaghetti and meatballs. And they have a secret ingredient, which I'll tell you, it's the neck bones of the cow that gives a sweetness to the sauce. I asked. And salad. And it was incredible. But it was so fun to watch. So Jamie and Lisa Ballard, who are leading the church, and Cheryl and I, were there sitting at the dinner table. And all of a sudden they go, guys, look at Pete and Joe. Watch them. And as they were preparing I said, you know, she's ladling the sauce over the pasta. And then she's scooping out the meatballs and putting them in very specific ways. And Pete's in charge of making the salad. And he's putting the granulated garlic over it. And I say, guys, do you know how many hundred times they've made this meal? And Pete has his role. And Joe has her role. And then we sat down and just enjoyed this incredible traditional Italian meal And you can just tell they'd done this hundreds of times. And they were so excited for us to eat their special family recipe. And it was incredible. But it was the hospitality that made it different. You could have that same meal in an Italian restaurant and it would have been good. But it wouldn't have been nearly as special. Because the hearts that went into it, the passion that went into it, they were so excited to have us in their home, to show us around, to show us the different things. You see, that's hospitality. Priscilla and Aquila had the ability to get Paul into their realm. They said, hey, we're tent makers. We found something in common. And he brought them into their world. You see, great teams do that. They're magnetic. You ever notice how there's just certain people that everybody wants to hang out with them? You see, that's, that's the heart of hospitality. You have that in reach of every single person. You say, well, I'm not a good cook. Well, if you can follow instructions, you can be a good cook. Now, Uncha is an amazing cook, but she still will not share with me her recipes 
I keep praying every year for Uncha to give me her recipes, and she just smiles and tells me to keep praying. But great hospitality. Now, Marisol, Marisol, she will give me recipes. Oh, yeah, she told me how to make her Trace Leches cake. Oh, yes, she did. But I'm on a diet, so I can't eat the stuff right now, so sorry. I hate diets. Anyway, but but I did have a chorizo and eggs and homemade tortillas at their house for breakfast on Friday, which was really awesome. It's great to be with them. But hospitality is amazing. But if you're not good at it, find somebody who is and learn from them. Imitate them. Because it is powerful. We live in a world that has lost the art of hospitality. You can live in a neighborhood and introduce neighbors to each other that have lived in the same houses five doors down for 20 years and don't know each other. It is a lost art. And from a Christian realm, it stands out in a powerful way. Powerful teamwork. Priscilla and Aquila. What else were they good at? You know what? Priscilla and Aquila were good at teaching. A little later in chapter 18, it says in verse 24, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home, hospitality, and explained to him the way of God more adequately. It says, they explained to him the way of God more adequately. That means both Priscilla and Aquila had something to say. They were a team. They both gave Apollos input. Man, Apollos was awesome, and he taught with great fervor. But they brought him into their home, and they said, Hey, Apollos, you're awesome, but there's a few things that you're missing. Man, we want to share them with you. And Apollos benefited greatly from Priscilla and Aquila's teaching. It was a team class. They both had input. They both had perspectives to share. You know, think for a moment about the people who have taught you in your spiritual life and the difference that it's made of where you are today. You know, my life's so radically different. I could give a list of 20 people that have significantly influenced uh, Cheryl's in my life. Whether it's our marriage, whether it's our parenting, our ministry, our personal Christianity, our finances. So many different areas. Why? Because we've benefited from the teamwork of teaching of others. You know, this picture on the left is Palik, our our new campus sister. You know, Palik moved to the U.S. from Syria as a young girl, 13. She was born and raised in Syria. She moved with only her brothers and sisters and lived with some family members. Parents were to arrive later. A few years later, she moved to Santa Clarita. 
You know, she was invited to come to the Super Bowl party and service. And then she started becoming a part of things with our ministry. The sisters got in there, and you see part of the team teaching in this picture. But Polig's life's changed. You know why? Because she had a Priscilla and Aquila that were preaching the gospel, sharing scriptures, sharing from their life, and it made a difference. Say, who's who's your team? Who's your teachers? Yeah, we live in a world that says, hey, you know, give me a little guidance, and then I'll take it from there. You do not see that model in the scriptures anywhere. You go, well, I don't want to have to be taught. Well, then you don't have to become a Christian. You have a choice. But God's plan of salvation always involves somebody bringing the gospel to them. You say, why is that? Well, maybe it's because God wants us to be humble. Maybe it's because he knows we're created to be connected relationally. And so, you know, God, God could have given you all the teaching you needed to become a Christian on your own. But what would that do for your relational connections? So maybe God mandated the, the, the teaching aspect so it builds relationships at the same time. You know, so many times I hear people say, well, I'm totally into being a Christian, but I don't want to have anything to do with church. You realize that? That makes no sense. That's like, I really want to be married, but I don't want to have a spouse. You're like, what? I want to be a parent, but I don't want to have kids. You're like, that makes no sense. That's, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to have anything to do with church. Same type of thing. The plan of salvation always, always, always involves somebody teaching somebody else. Even the Apostle Paul, Jesus himself appeared to him. And then Saul says, hey, what do you want me to do, Lord? And he goes, you go to Ananias. He'll tell you what to do. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to answer that question. You go humble yourself to that guy, Mr. Big Shot. That was in the Greek. But I'm fired up. We have Palig. Sorry, Palig. That's how our mom says it, Palig. You know, on the right, in the middle there, going like that, that's Jude Walker, uh, the son of Brian Walker on the right. And then on the left is Kip Harms. This is the first baptism in our 101 Christian church up in the San Luis Obispo area. Oh, yeah. They since have had another young person baptized. They've had somebody restored to the Lord. You'd be so proud of the work going on up there. Uh, They're doing a great job. But Jude uh, was a teenager. He just recently graduated from high school. He's going to college up in uh, uh, the San Luis Obispo area. And so he's pioneering our campus ministry up there now. But, you know, it was a team effort 
for Jude to get baptized. In fact, Cheryl and I were there at the service and it was such a great celebration. And Brian, his father on the right, said, hey, make sure you say hi to Michael. Because when Michael and Lindsay were leading the teen ministry in Santa Barbara, Jude was really, really impacted by your son, Michael. He was sad to see them move to Santa Clarita. But the conversations made a difference in his life. You know, it's, it's a team effort. See, you, you need to develop an expertise on helping people know God. You do not have to be a theologian to help people know God. You ought to know the Scriptures well enough that you can share the truth of God's Word with anybody. Anybody in your neighborhood, if they've got questions, you can answer some of them. You may not be able to answer all of them. But you should answer some of them. You should be able to tell them right away the reason for the hope that you have. First Peter says we always need to be prepared to share that. Say, are you good at teaching people? Say, it's a skill that you need to develop. Priscilla and Aquila, man, they were so awesome together. They were able to grab Apollos, who was amazing, and explain to him the way of God more adequately. You know, another thing about Priscilla and Aquila, and turn over to Romans 16, is their leadership. I knew you'd be inspired by this photo. I'll get to that picture in a second. All right, Priscilla and Aquila, Romans 16, verse 3 through 5. says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. It was the Priscilla and Aquila Church of Christ. You know, they took ownership of a situation. But Paul said, hey, you need to make sure you say hi to Priscilla and Aquila. Man, they're awesome. They risked their lives for all the churches. They're incredible. This is, oh, by the way, say hi to the church that meets in their house. They took ownership in their situation. They led. You know, a few weeks ago, we had our outdoor worship service where we fed over 550 people. We had more than 400 pounds of tri-tip and chicken cooked over oak, lovingly prepared, the massaged spices made a difference was taken off at just the right moment so it could rest. So you don't cut into it and then the juices just go, and then you have a dry roast. We had an amazing crew. I mean, they had that meat all sliced and prepped, and I'd go over there to the meat table to make sure they were doing everything right, and then I'd grab a piece of meat and kind of slather it in the drippings. 
just to make sure it was safe for all of you. It was. We fed over 550 people. And did you notice how quickly all 550 got through the line? We had an amazing setup crew. You know, now the head of our setup crew is Elizabeth DeGeis. But you know what? She was actually out of town on vacation that day. But you know what? She has led that event so effectively that she had her lieutenants raised up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Ashley Lotane, she was like chief of the lieutenants over there. And, and my wife was there. And, and Lisa Davis was running the show. They had the campus ladies. They were lining it up. And, you know, I always laugh because I go over there to check her tablecloths. And then I make sure that all the checks are lined up. Because, you know, if you have them off by one degree, then all the type A people are going to look at the tablecloths and go, I don't know what to do with that. So I was thinking of you in the process as well. But we fed 550 people. You ever been to a restaurant that's poorly run? You notice, right? You know what? That service, I just sit back in awe. And you, you know what? That doesn't just happen. If you knew the hours of conversations that went into where we should order our tri-tip from. How much fat should be left on the tri-tip? What seasonings do we prefer? Should we use a little charcoal or just oak? There's a lot of discussions. And then we show up and we go, wow, this is amazing. It's leadership. There are leadership opportunities in life in every facet going on. Say, are you leading? Went in after uh, midweek into the kitchen at the Methodist Church, saw my son Michael doing some algebra tutoring. I said, wow, Michael, that's awesome. Good for you. You know, it's an opportunity. Says, how can you help? What can you do? Remember the group that stood up? Your Bible talk leaders and assistants? Leadership opportunities. It's never easy to take responsibility. But it makes a difference in people's lives when we do. It is so easy to not raise our hand to volunteer, to hope somebody else will do it. Say Priscilla and Aquila are like, hey, no, 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 have the church meet in our house. You know, I loved it when, when Cheryl and I were out of town in Dallas. One of the baptisms was at the brand new Santa Clarita household of the Gonios. And I saw pictures of Caleb getting baptized. So now he's my he's my brother in Christ. You know, I appreciate the shows or, or the Gonios. They weren't saying, you know what? We just moved in. We're just kind of trying to get everything settled. They're like, oh, no, we actually picked a house with the pool. Because we want to have a lot of baptisms at our house. Yeah, that's, that's the mindset to lead. 
And there are so many incredible examples that go on on a regular basis in our fellowship. And you know what? Keep it up. But you know what? The challenge is not for the people who are already doing it. No, you can take it higher. I'm talking about the ones that are sitting on the sidelines going, man, this is so awesome that all these people lead around me. No, no, no. I want you to start asking the question, how can I lead? Where can I take responsibility? What can I do? Whose life can I make a difference in? What strengths and gifts do I have that can influence somebody else's life? And start initiating. You say, well, nobody's asked me. No, volunteer. Look for needs and then go meet it. You see, Priscilla and Aquila had great leadership. They said, no, the church, it can meet in our home. You see, when it meets in your home, then you go, then I can make sure the atmosphere is a good one. I can make sure that when we take communion, it's like, you know, good unleavened bread. And that we use good grape juice, 100% Welch's. The ushers all laugh at me because I'm like, I don't want Langer's. I don't want grape drink. I want only 100% Welch's because that's the best stuff and it reflects Jesus. And you know what? You may not realize it, but then when you go to another service and you have non-Welch's, you're going to go, the grape juice isn't as good as what we have in Santa Clarita. You know why? Because we spend the extra few bucks. But see, when you're hosting the church at your house, you can make sure stuff's right. I remember we had a campus house church service one Sunday. And you know what we had for communion? Nilla wafers and grape tang. And I said... I'm not sure that Nilla wafers are unleavened. I think there's probably baking powder in there. And I don't think there's any fruit of the vine at all in grape tang. You see, and that's just a lame connected Jesus experience. And that's not what you want. But when you host, you can make it awesome. Right? You're with me on that. So how will you take leadership? What is it that you will do? How will life change? What will it look like? Final point I want to highlight for Priscilla and Aquila is their flexibility. Oh yeah, Jean-Claude. I know this, this is from one of the greatest action movies of all time. Bloodsport. Which little, little trivia for you. Um, English teacher at Hart High School, Mr. Herzog. I think this is his final year, right? Yeah. He wrote the soundtrack for Bloodsport. Oh, yeah, he did. He might make more money in royalties from that than his teacher's salary, although he's been a teacher for a while. But anyway, yeah, Mr. Herzog wrote the soundtrack for Bloodsport. Hart High, little shout out for that high school. It's awesome. But anyway... So, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme, he's a pretty flexible guy. 
You know, you see stuff like that and you go, wow, I can't do that. You know, flexibility is awesome, but this point is really not about your physical flexibility, which is a good thing because I can't come within a foot of touching my toes. But something you may not have noticed, I'm sure you heard a little bit of it, that they started their spiritual journey in Rome. Then Claudius kicked out the Jews and they went to Corinth. Then they served the Lord in Corinth. Then Paul brings them over to Ephesus. And then they're back in Corinth. And then later, here in Romans, they're actually leading the house church. He said, what's the point? Priscilla and Aquila were amazing, whether they were in Rome, whether they were in Corinth, whether they were in Ephesus. You know why? Because they were flexible. You see, when you're flexible, you can thrive in all kinds of scenarios and situations. You can thrive if you're with young people. You can thrive if you're with old people. You can thrive if you're with people just like you. You can thrive if you're around people that you would first thought would be, I have nothing in common with this person. You know, when you're flexible, you can hang with the wealthy. You can hang with the poor. You can hang in a society that's totally foreign to you, or you can hang in a society where everybody's just like you. It's being flexible. Are you flexible? You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, I become all things to all men to win as many as possible. His relatability was purposeful. There are so many rich things to learn from realms other than ours. Food life. Cultural life. Values. Music. Family traditions. Hey, what was life like when you grew up? You know, we live in a divided nation. Divided over skin color, over political views, over all different areas. Lines are drawn in the sand. And our flexibility is challenged. Paul said, I became all things to all men. You know, Priscilla and Aquila could thrive in worlds... That were totally different. You know, sometimes we thrive. If all the people around us are perfectly relatable to our needs. If the music on Sunday is exactly my favorite songs. If the topic exactly meets my needs. If the midweek series is exactly the one that's at the top of my needs list. If the movie we watch as a family is my favorite choice, if the restaurant we eat at is the food that I like the best, if my boss treats me the way I deserve on a regular basis, if my spouse cherishes me the way I deserve to be cherished, 
If my kids respect me the way I deserve to be respected, if my parents respect me as a kid the way I deserve to be respected, should I keep going? We thrive if all those things are set up in just the right way. You know what? That's really not the test of our flexibility, is it? The issue is, what do we do when it's not what I want? It's not my favorite. Somebody else's favorite. Somebody else's world. You know, you go over to eat at somebody else's house. Like the first time I had a dinner in, in Russia. I told you this. I was talking with Ron Quint. He goes, well, I wonder what they're going to eat. And I go, hopefully it's not beets. We sit down. First thing, we made you a special Russian beet salad. I was like, oh, Lord, help me. I ate it with a smile on my face. Was not my favorite. They have other food like pilmeni and suluguni. They have all kinds of really good food. Beets wasn't my favorite. But you know what? They loved it. Say, how do you do? Are you flexible? You see, Priscilla and Aquila loved other people. And see, love is universal. Love is flexible. Because see, love is other-centered. He says, for the sake of the gospel. Say, Priscilla and Aquila were, were amazing teams. You know, in sports, you'll see inflexible teams. That means they play really well versus one kind of team. But then they play against another kind of team and they do terrible. And you're like, what happened? They didn't adapt. Sometimes it's just good to ask, hey, what do your best friends look like? Like if you were to kind of take a survey, what's the age range? How about skin color? How about cultural similarities? How about food tastes? How about music tastes? Like, are, are you connected well with a diverse group? Or do you find yourself going, ah, I just don't, I just don't connect because it's just, I have a hard time relating. You know what? That is an admission of failure on our part when we say, I can't connect because you're not relatable. We, we say it, we're trying to condemn them, but really, it's ourself. We need to imitate Priscilla and Aquila. Now, I want to close with one final question. And here's the question. What can we do together? We're a team. Say, what can we do together? What can you do together? What team will you be a part of? There's things that you will be able to accomplish because you joined the team. Say, but you got to rely on the team to be a part of the team. 
God has an incredible mission and plan in store for each one of you. But he also designed it to be accomplished by a team. It says, we close our lesson today. That's the question that you have to answer. What can we do together? There's people that want to be on the team with you. Let's initiate. Let's connect. Let's get together. And let's accomplish as a team what God has prepared for us. Let's stand as we close in one final song.